anniversary, the date on which an event took place in a previous year. Hey everyone, this episode is going live on me and Cody's two-year anniversary. That's right. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, Elaine and I have been married for two years. And today, we're going to share some of our ups and downs and five things we have learned in our two years of marriage. Happy anniversary to us. Now let's get right to it. This is The Reckless Pursuit, a podcast crafted and created to dive deep into what it looks like to be a follower of Christ in a modern day world. We span topics across the board to seek out truth and to gain a deeper understanding of one another, to find common ground and answers to life's hardest questions. We all have a story and a struggle, a calling and a conviction. Together, let's take a hard look at ourselves and effort to view what others see so we can be the best reflection of Christ possible. I'm Cody. And I'm Elaine. Now, let's get reckless. Hey everyone, welcome to The Reckless Pursuit. This is episode 43, and today we are interrupting your previously scheduled Christmas content to bring you another festive holiday, at least for Elaine and I. Today, we are celebrating our second anniversary. If you're listening to this, the day this comes out, December 17th, it is mine and Elaine's second anniversary. We've been married for a whopping two years. That's right. Thank you. Thank you for the congratulations. Much appreciated. And today we're going to just talk about five things, five key things, five memorable things that we have learned in our two years of marriage. And we just kind of want to share our hearts on just a few things to, or five things to keep focused on in your marriage, or maybe you're not married. Here's some advice for when you do get married. And uh, yeah, we're just going to talk about a few of these things because they uh, definitely can sneak up on you and get away from you if you don't watch to them and tend to them. But before we get into that, a quick reminder, we have a community group crafted and created just for you. The Reckless Community is a Facebook group with active members talking about all kinds of different things. It's uh, it's growing, it's blossoming, and we want you to be a part. You are invited. In the show notes below, there's a link. We would love for you to go and click it and hop on over there, submit a request, and we will invite you in, into the fold. Not creepishly, though. Yeah. Come, be a part. Also, if you haven't done so thus far, and you are so inclined to do, and we thank you if you do, there is a box somewhere on your screen, if you're on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, where you can leave an honest review. We would love for you to click and leave an honest review. It would mean a lot to us for you to take a good minute and do that. Uh, yeah, because it helps us know how we're doing and how to better serve you guys. So we're going to jump right into today's episode talking about five things Elaine and I have learned in our first and second years of marriage. Here it comes. Happy anniversary, dear. Happy anniversary. We it's ha- not It's not really our anniversary when we're recording this, nope. but we have to pretend <laughs> because it comes out on our anniversary. Which is four days. Four days from now. Because yes. we're recording. What is today? 13th. Today's the 13th. Yes. Yeah, the 17th is our anniversary. Remember whenever I proposed to you at the chapel at Garvin Gardens? Yes. I was completely blindsided, which is very rare because I pick up on so many hints. Yeah. 
but not that day. Nope. I caught you off guard. Probably the only time I've ever caught you off guard. And things were not going in your favor, and I still not, not catch up. I know, because the traffic was terrible, and everyone was running late. And it still ended up being a huge surprise, and everything was perfect. And fast forward a year and 12 days, right? A year and 12 days, because that was the 5th of December when we got, when I proposed, and mm-hmm. then it was the 17th we got married. Yeah. So a year, a year later. Yeah. A year and 12 days later, we had a beautiful 75 degree December wedding. We, yes. Winter wedding. And we were all dressed up in sweaters and it was super hot, but it was a really cool wedding. It was but very at night it got in like freezing and blow freezing. So. Yeah. And it started hailing and sleeting. And it rained during our ceremony and nobody, like we didn't get wet or anything. Nothing was ruined. It well, was we were in, inside. Yes. But, but we were in this big cabin. It was very pretty. Yes. And uh, we had a barn style wedding and it started raining right when the ceremony started and stopped raining right when the ceremony ended. Someone told us that was good luck. I don't know. They said it was in the Bible and I'm kind of questioning the logic on that. A so lot of someone, people said that. But if I someone wants to show us where that's at in the Bible, I've read the Bible. You know, if you, you know, if you, yeah, I don't know the Bible, and I don't remember where it says that. So It's all about interpretation. Right. So if someone could share wherever that's at, that'd be great. But I feel like we've had a successful marriage thus far, so maybe it is something. Hey, there you go. So, guys, today, five things. We're just going to start with number one. And, uh, Elaine, I'm going to let you This was yours, so I'm going to let you read it. It's been a very crazy year. A lot of stuff has happened. Yes. Um, it's been a very hard year. Um, just with the drama and just so many different things from finances to family to just every loss, health, health, loss, yeah, health, everything. Um, I feel like pretty much up until October was when things started to let up a little bit. Um, things are a lot better now. Um, and we're still working through some things, but after just thinking about this year, I kind of realized that um, you know, our relationship, your pers- our personal relationship with God is number one. Um, but our main priority after God should be our marriage. Yeah, so something that I have learned that's in with that too, you know, uh, and it seems cliche because we hear that a lot. Like, oh yeah, well your marriage is number two. But we so often overlook, we have oversight on like the reality of how important that is. Because when you create a house with someone and a home with someone and you're with someone, it's so easy to let the, um, you know, just the day-to-day take away from the fact that, yes, your marriage really is uh, number one. And, of course, you know, God's number one, whatever. Like, okay, yes, we're, we've addressed that. But your marriage is number one sense. right in your life. And something I have learned is we have had a lot of uh, just a whole lot of different things happened this year from losing my mom and uh health and family and finance and I realized like you know Elaine and I are a team and it's a two person team okay three person okay well five person if you count the trinity whatever but it's a it's a you know it's it's she and I and we have to ultimately at the end of the night it's her and I have to answer to each other uh, we don't answer to our parents or our friends or any of our other family, our church members. Uh, we answer to each other and to, and to God. And I think it's just a powerful remembrance that we are a team 
and we have to act like a team at all times. Because what is a team? A team is someone that every action they do, every word that they speak should reflect on their teammates in a positive light. If they have to sacrifice in the moment for the team, they do it. If they have to build up, they do. If they have to fight, they will. If they have to defend, they will. There's times in both of, uh, you know, equally with both of us this year that we have had to fight for each other's health and be strong. Uh, We have had to face some huge hurdles just with uh, relationships on many different aspects of our marriage where we've had to realize, like, there's come times where Elaine and I were very frustrated and we almost took it out on each other, but we had to realize that she and I know each other well enough to know where we stand and that we stand together. And something else is just realizing how much loss and hardship affects one another. You know, I lost my mom, and Elaine only knew my mom for a couple of years, but I feel like at times it actually impacted her more than it impacted me because uh, realizing, like, oh, I'm not going to have a mother-in-law, like, our kids aren't going to have a grandmother on that side. Like, it's hard stuff. And, and you know, I've had my down times. I've had my times where I have uh, definitely needed to lean on her, but Equally so, because we are so close, you know, whenever something strikes me, it strikes her just as much. And that was something that I never really understood or maybe even completely expected, to be really honest. And it really caught me off guard. But it was reassuring knowing that she shared that with me. And it's kind of like uh, the first thing on our very first date, it was a crazy night, ton of family drama on mine with my mom and, uh, we were up till 3 a.m. I was up trying to deal with it. I had to go out of town the next morning to take a bunch of kids uh, out of state to a youth conference. I was up till, uh, I only got like an hour of sleep. I was up till 5 a.m. I had to be at the church at 7 a.m. But she was with me until about 2.30 a.m. And she took me by the arm and told me, Cody, you never have to do anything else alone again. And that is the epitome of what marriage is should be in Elaine like thank you so much because that you you've been that for me you really have like I haven't ever felt like I was fighting something alone even with my own struggles with mental health and anxiety I feel like though it's going on in my head and you don't completely understand it uh the way like I do because I'm experiencing like you're not physically experiencing it you're still there and you still ask me how I am. You still ask me to try to explain myself just to try to get it out of my head and into the open where it can, the light can shine on it. And, and, uh, I just think it's very powerful that whenever you act as a team, uh, it's amazing what you can accomplish. And keeping the mindset of being a team, I think heavily relies on prayer. Yeah. Um, because, I honestly feel like prayer is what has gotten us basically all our entire relationship, but specifically this year, just with everything, especially when I, on my, my end, especially whenever I was in the hospital for the week, for a week. And, you know, I wasn't mentally present. Like I was in and out half the time I was on medicine. I don't remember half of it. Um, but I do remember 
every time I woke up, you were right next to me praying over me. You had worship music on. You were you physically had your hands on me praying. You were in the corner praying. Um, even if you were outside of the room or even when you were gone to go take a shower, like I knew, like I felt your prayer. And I feel like um, that honestly is one of the things that really helped me through that week because that was honestly the worst week in my life. But I really believe that prayer helped me get through that week and even in the recovery phase after that and so on. And um, I just, I thank you for constantly praying over me and praying with me. And even whenever I'm, I fall asleep, like I know that you are still praying over me. Yeah, I got to be honest, like in my walk, uh, you know, I'm a very realistic person. I mean, I can be very like not realistic with my anxiety and stuff for sure. But typically um, my walk with Christ is very weird because I am a person full of doubt. Uh, My doubts drive me to ask questions. My doubts drive me to explore areas of God that I normally wouldn't. And I keep coming back to him. Uh, You know, I I think back to our episodes of deconstruction, how I relate to those stories and how I always end up back uh, at his feet, so to speak. But so often I want to not believe because everything uh, in my brain tries to argue against the point of God. And I can be really honest that at times prayer is so hard for me because so often I feel like I'm praying to a benevolent being that just does not care or is not there or is not listening. But I keep pushing through because, number one, I believe in the power of prayer and I have seen it work. And I have to remind myself that just because in this moment, I'm not understanding the reality, what's going on, the bigger picture. I have to keep pushing through. Number two, I know the morale of my wife knowing that I am doing something, even if there's something outside of my reach, even if I cannot physically heal her body or fix the situation or mend the broken uh, mentality that she has at the time my prayer is a sign and a signal flare to her saying I still care and I'm still doing what I can do and you're still on my mind and I'm still lifting you up to God and time and time again I've seen him work and that's why I sit, I end up so much back at him but I can be honest when I like and say like prayer is a hard thing because faith is a hard thing for me it's something that I struggle with and most people that know me would think I'm very very overtly strong in my faith but I think that in order to be strong in your faith you also have to be weak and you have to be willing and I think that's like part of the beauty of prayer well and something that I've kind of realized is that a lot of people downplay prayer um a lot of times especially in loss and just craziness we were like I don't know what to do for you what can I help you with all I know is to pray all I know is to pray for you and sometimes in those moments that's all you need that's all you want is prayer and in that in those moments I was in the hospital you physically could not do anything for my health like you were not a doctor you were not a nurse you know you don't know the science behind what was going on but you could pray and that's what I needed you to do yeah and and the thing about prayer too is uh, you know, if you're actively praying, it shows an act of compassion. And it's a, it's a true um, pouring out of compassion. To just say you're going to pray for someone to walk away, no, that doesn't really mean much. But to actively engage in the act of prayer, 
really is just a, a true form of love and compassion saying that you're willing to to relate and to feel that burden and to you know travail for instance uh, over that person and to just lift them up uh, in the only way you physically really can at the time being because worry is definitely not a positive energy and if I had to pick between either sitting there and being anxious and worrying or praying about it I hope that I would pick prayer over that uh, because positive energy you know, we're created for positivity much more than negativity. And I would prefer to pump positivity into the person that I'm praying for, into the heavens, into, you know, to the kingdom, the throne room, however you want to call it. I would much prefer to project my positive uh, energy into people than negative. And I think that that's, there's power in prayer. You know, there's power in our words. We're created to speak powerful words and, uh, you know, we're creating the image of God, and God spoke everything into existence. So what we speak can come into existence. So, Point number two, uh, and this is something that I have definitely had on my heart, is always cross-check your expectations. So what I mean by that is uh, whenever you go into marriage, you have certain ideals in your mind of how things are going to happen. You have certain ideologies, certain ways of doing things, little things. You've heard it before of like, oh, which way does the toilet paper go? Is it under or is it over? It's over, by the way. Uh, you have things like how you do your laundry, you know, when to do the dishes, your routines, and all these things are going to get shaken up and changed, and you have to adapt together. But you also carry expectations uh, of how, and you, you don't even realize this, but it's true. You're going to carry expectations of what you want your significant other to look like or dress like. You're going to carry expectations of, um, you know, hairstyles and, and appearances or behaviors in public. Or there's going to come a time when they do something that you're like, man, I didn't realize that when we were dating that they were like that. And sometimes it's good things and sometimes it's things that catch you off guard and and uh, you have to take a second and pause in those moments because so many times we, instead of asking ourselves, well, why am I bothered by this? Or why does this catch me off guard? We just act out and say, hey, I'd really prefer you not do that. Or, hey, don't drink. Like, that looks bad on you. Or why would you want to do that? Or why are you always saying this whenever so-and-so's around? And we, in we inadvertently tear down our significant other instead of build them up. And we need to take a second to pause and ponder our thoughts because a lot of times those expectations come from either a, uh, a come out of a couple different places. One is they come out of our wounds. So there are things that people in general can do that remind me of my mom and rub me the wrong way. Uh, there are certain movies, certain TV shows that trigger you know those kind of things, uh, and in your significant other, you're bound to find something like that at some point that triggers a negative time in your life. And it's going to make you uh, inadvertently and almost reactionarily um, behave in a defensive manner and to try to pull away or to lash out. But whatever it is, is an act of defense and uh, to protect that area that you may not even realize is wounded. Uh, number two, is it can come from a place of insecurity. Um, a lot of times we may feel insecure around a certain group of people, and whenever your significant other is more flamboyant around them or maybe they're more introverted and shy, 
and you try to drag them into something they're kind of unfamiliar with. Maybe, like for instance, Elaine is a more reserved person in social settings. Uh, she's introverted. I'm introverted as well, but I'm kind of more balanced. Like I'm, I'm trained to talk. It's what I do. And so uh, she is more analytical and reserved and um, introspective and reverent in her behavior. And so when we're in public places, it's not my place to say, hey, honey, tell them about this. Or, hey, what do you think about that? And try to like, I'm not trying to coax her into being someone she's not. I have to respect her for who she is. And I have to balance her uh, and be her, her counter side because she balances me. That's the beauty of being married is it's, it's, it's a weights and balances system and you get to be there for each other. So a lot of times we, we have these um, expectations that come out of our own insecurities. And, uh, and the last thing is we can a lot of times um, have these come out of expectations of us. And so maybe your family has a certain expectation of you. And a lot of times this ties into our insecurities as well. Uh, maybe your family has a certain expectation because of the way they've always done things and they expect you to keep doing things this way. Maybe that even means having to, to take a stand for your marriage because uh, people may not even realize it, but people may be pushing your significant other down or belittling them in some way and not even realizing what's going on. But ultimately, when you take that vow and you get married, it is you and it is your partner and you have to check those expectations and make sure you're not siding with someone else to kind of tie one and two together and to to make sure you are pursuing each other and not trying to push someone else's expectations or even your own from your wounds or your insecurities. I also feel like another form of expectation is media and like movies, especially romance movies and stuff like that. And, you know, Valentine's Day, people like expect these you know, amazing gifts from their significant other and stuff like that. And I think that can really stunt relationships. Yeah, the false expectation. Yeah. Of, yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, side note, I actually do not get Elaine anything for Valentine's Day. Yep, never bought her anything that was for her for Valentine's Day. We do something together on Valentine's Day, but it's not for us. It's not a Valentine's Day thing. It's something we do. We have something we go out and do. Uh, just to try to give back to the community, but we uh, we don't buy each other anything for Valentine's Day, and I've told people that before. And they're like, "Oh, you're gonna, she's gonna kick your butt, you know? You're gonna be in hot water tonight." And like, I'm like I don't get you anything either. <laughs> like, you don't have to live up to those false expectations. That's a good point, babe. So let's move on to point number three, and uh, something that Elaine and I uh, have to be careful of. So, funny side fact before we jump into this. Elaine and I work together. We both work from home during the winter, and we run a business in the summer together. We run a podcast together. We run Cedar Temple together. Uh, we do a lot together. Most everything we do is together. We are together more than we are separate way by far. The longest we've ever been apart uh, since we've started dating is a day and a half. Um, we are constantly in each other's presence. But with that... The third thing is to take time for ourselves or take time for yourself, the listener, mentally and together as a couple. So take a mental break for yourself and take a mental break together. So what does that mean? Well, first and foremost, 
uh, I know that I need time to allow my thoughts to come and to go freely. I can do that with Elaine present, but I'm often distracted by her. Not that she's a distraction or anything like that. I'm not trying to say that. What I'm saying is that oftentimes we'll engage in conversation. We're talking, we're working, we're doing things like that. And I need to pull away, go in my office. A lot of times I do this in the shower too. Just be quiet, meditate, uh, be calm, allow my thoughts to decompress and allow the stresses of the day to come and to go so I don't just pipe it all up inside and let it out on her. Elaine, what do you do to kind of separate? Sometimes I just disappear for an hour in the shower as well and just um, turn all the lights off or even take a bubble bath and just kind of pray or listen to worship music or just sit in the silence or what have you. Um, I go read. Sometimes I go shopping by myself. So to say, last night when I was out running errands, I kind of took some time and just put on some instrumental music or a podcast and was just listening and just kind of decompressing. Mm -hmm. So. And I love spending time with you. I love being with you. Um, it's more fun when I'm with you, and I never get tired of being with you. But there are some times where I'm just tired in general. Not even just, oh, I'm sleepy, need to go to bed. Just I'm tired, I'm mentally drained, mentally exhausted. Sometimes I just want to go do my own thing and just regather my thoughts and re... Um, like, sometimes I want to miss you. I want to have some alone time so I can come back and say, oh, I'm happy to come home to you. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Um, I can always tell when we're getting to those points where we need that moment. And, and most people, I feel like a lot of people feel like they need the opposite. They need more time with their significant other because maybe they work separate and they're apart a lot. Uh, some people, you know, work significant distances and have to go months without seeing their significant other people in the military. You know, uh, my friend who's in baseball, he travels a lot and he's away from his wife for months, you know, but I can always tell whenever you and I start needing to have a little bit of space because, uh, we don't really argue, but sometimes we get little snippy comments at each other. We start kind of like, I can be really focused on something. And I start kind of snipping at you instead of like, taking it out on my work, I take it out on you. And it reminds me of those two, the video of the two corgis that are like chomping at each other <laughs> at, over video. the food. If you haven't seen this video, I'll link to it in the show notes. But they're like chomping at each other uh, and they're not really biting. They're just kind of snip, 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 snip over food and they just walk away and I everything's fine video. again. And they just go <laughs> and lay down. And it's like, this is what married life is like. <laughs> and it's so true because you kind of get these little snippy moments where you're just, and then it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't. Have, I shouldn't Especially if I'm tired, hungry or need coffee. Yeah, and which is in the morning, literally her in the morning if she has to get up. Yeah, early. sometimes I'm having a bad mood or like a bad day, and it's not even directed oh, at you. Mood. And you're like, you need ice cream or you need coffee, and then I'm fine. Or I can say, you need to go take a nap, and you're just like, never say that. Or like when you say, well, you need to lose the attitude. Like, I'm most of the time, I didn't even have an attitude. And then you say that, and I'm like, now I have an attitude. So, funny story. Elaine and I are on our way to our honeymoon, heading to Colorado. We get up super early, like 2 or 3 a.m., and we're heading out because we want to make good time and get there, uh, so we only lost one day of travel. We didn't want to stay overnight. We drove straight through 16 and a half, right at 17 and a half hours because of snow, uh, straight through to uh, Aspen. And so we're on the trip. I, I like wake her up. I get her in the car, and we're driving down the road, and she is just so angry and like i can say like honey what radio station would you like to she's like i don't even care and i'm just like oh my gosh what did i marry 
I'm like, it's like whenever you have the cute little uh, fluff and you spill water on it and realize it's like a big angry gremlin. And I'm like, what happened to, to, to peace and enjoy and love sleepy and i'm like okay so i just put on some like i found the spa channel right on xm which we listened to our entire honeymoon yeah and so i flipped over to the spa channel and like the the soothing sounds whisked her back to sleep and i drove for about what four hours and the sun's coming up and like all of a sudden you just see her like roll over in a big stretch and her arms go way out of the air (laughs) and she's like Good morning, honey. Where are we? And I'm just like, what happened to angry wife, okay? And like, she's like, what? And I'm like, you were so angry earlier. And she's like, no, I was just tired. I'm like, okay, so tired equals uh, angry. I got it. Now I know. Now you expect it. Right. And, uh. Yeah, anyway, so I knew she needed to just take some time to just, like, go and and crash and sleep, and that's okay, too. And then we had coffee, and everything was fine. Right. But on the flip side of that, we also have to take time together. And when I say take time mentally together, I don't just mean, like, oh, let's go watch TV, let's check out. You know, like, so often we just check out. Uh, We go and flip on The Office, which we have been binge-watching The Office, so, like, guilty. But uh, we go and flip on a TV show or uh, browse Facebook or watch videos together on that or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about mentally sit down. Let's talk. Tell me where your heart's at. Let's read the Bible together. Let's just be quiet in each other's presence and just feel each other's energy. Let's let's go for uh, a drive. Right. Let's let's get alone in the distractions away. And let's just experience each other's minds and hearts and, and get to know each other on a deeper level and learn something new about each other or or press in closer into our, our relationship with Christ together or something like that. And so we have to have those times separately and together to be a complete unit, the one unit that we are, husband and wife, one body, one flesh, one person. And it takes both. Well, and something else that I kind of want to add to that is um, intimacy goes way, way, way further than just sex. Yeah. Like, there is so much more to intimacy than just the physical act. There is a mental act. There is a spiritual act. There is an emotional act. Getting together mentally and making time for each other, um, sure, that may include sex as a marriage but that's not the only way to become closer with your spouse. Yeah, I feel like we had to learn that a lot, especially whenever you were going through your sickness because a lot of your sickness was caused from like urinary tract infections. And and when you were having that, like there was months in our marriage where we have had to refrain from that. And like when you're a, you know, you grow up in like the traditional Christian upbringing or whatever, you're like marriage uh, equals like unlimited sex and you can just go and do all this stuff and you can be as crazy as you want to be. And like you waited. So like you're pure and you're, and God's going to bless you and like, okay, but (laughs) why are we suffering with being hospitalized over sex? The week after our honeymoon. (laughs) Yeah. And then again, the following year, it's like, Mm. why are we going through this? Well, you know, that's just part of life. And there's so much more to marriage than sex. And if all marriage is, to you is sex, then that's not marriage. You have one uh, screwy view of 
of what a relationship is and no no pun intended and uh, you know there's just so 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 much more it just goes a lot deeper than that so that's a good point number four one of the things that i learned in our second year of marriage is using discretion with other people's opinions this kind of goes back to the expectations but a lot of people are going to have opinions of you especially when you're dating especially when you get engaged especially when you're married especially when you start having kids. People are saying, when are you going to do this? When are you going to have kids? When are, you know, just all these things. And sometimes people give you their unsolicited advice and you don't want it, you don't need it, and it doesn't apply to you. And it could be great advice, but it may not be applicable to your marriage. And I feel like being a team, you know, you know what works best for your marriage. And just because something works best for somebody's, somebody else's marriage doesn't necessarily mean that you have to take that advice. Yeah, there's a age-old adage, and it's a really kind of morbid one, but there's more than one way to skin a cat. And uh, I don't know who skins cats, and I don't know how to skin a cat, or if there's really more than one way, but I'm just going to use it <laughs> because people say it in the South. Uh, I don't know where else people say that, but I know in the South they say it because uh, I've heard it numerous times. And uh, it's true with marriage, too. You know, there are numerous ways to make a marriage work. Not everyone has the same financial situation as you or as your parents or as your brother or sister and their husband or wife. Not everyone has the same job situation, kids, health, all these things attribute to marriage. And so uh, kind of a little side note about me personally, and I don't, I may offend someone when I say this, but that's okay. I don't really care, but uh, I'm, I'm very egalitarian. I don't believe that I am above my wife at all. I don't think that's what it's saying anywhere in the Bible. And I would be happy to argue against anyone who says otherwise. Uh, I do not believe men are superior to women. I've always wanted a daughter, if that tells you anything, because I completely believe that women are significant and as significant as men, and we are all created equal in the eyes of God. The Bible said man should not be alone, and God created woman because he knew the fallacies of uh, just the one-sidedness of his of His divine um, presence. And so when he created man in his image, he created woman in his image to complete, to complete uh, his just the representation of his spirit. And that's what marriage is, is the coming together of, both halves of creation to represent the body of Christ. And it's a beautiful thing. And uh, so often we have everyone else telling us exactly what Elaine was saying. Like, well, you should do it this way, or how about doing that? And people just give you weird advice off the top of their hats. And the, and the truth is, you know, especially, in, this is for all of, um, you know, if you're a young married then you'll relate to this. And if you're an old married and you have kids, listen up. Uh, when two people become one, their family is their family. And advice is welcomed when asked for at best. But it is not your job, anyone out there, this could go anyone, it's not your job to look at another married person and tell them how they need to run their marriage. And don't give out advice if it's not asked for because it only leads to controversy in their marriage 
and it leads to dissension between you and them. Even if it's good advice, it's okay to say, hey, like, I would love to talk to you about this. Can we talk about it? And then you're asking for an invite. That's fine. If someone wants your input, then by all means, tell them, like, this is how we do it. I'm not saying you have to do it this way, but this is how we do it. Or uh, maybe try doing this. Like, maybe try, you know, taking her on a nice date. Those kind of things. Whatever. But don't just go inputting your opinions like, uh, you know, what's a good example for this? A lot of times, opinions are more like angry hornets trying to sting people than they are like, uh, I don't know, welcome vaccines trying to help people, you know? Like you go to the doctor, you're like, I need a tetanus shot. And they're like, okay, here's the thing. It's going to help you. And I'm, don't start with the anti-vaccine thing. I'm just using an analogy here. Uh, that's like, okay, cool. I'm going to the doctor because I'm going to do this thing that can help me not get sick. Cool. Welcome you know, or acupuncture, like, hey, I'm going to go do this thing to release muscle tension. Cool. Uh, As opposed to I'm walking through the forest, angry bees attack me and I get stung 50 times. Like opinions can be thrown like darts. You know, it's, I know these are weird analogies, but, you know, opinions should be reserved for when asked for and never given as concrete because no one has all the answers. And if you think you do, then you're wrong because uh, Proverbs basically blatantly says, you know, the fool believes he knows all the answers and the wise man asks more questions than he has answers. So always ask questions, uh, take time to understand other couples around you, whether it be your parents or your children, and grow together because we're all in this thing together. But ultimately, going back to point number one, it is the husband and the wife and that marriage and the and the two of them are the team. You know, the spouses are the team uh, and everyone else, uh, they're, they're not players in that game. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the person that sits behind the TV screaming at the coach for making the dumb call in football. Well, you're not the coach. You're not there. And, you know, things always look different through someone else's eyes. So that brings us to our very last point, and uh, I think this is a great one to wrap up on, and it's don't let comfort dictate your compassion. And so in, on compassion, I put a little uh, a dash between uh, calm and passion because compassion and passion, I could almost put parentheses or uh, brackets around calm. So don't let your comfort dictate your passion or your compassion. And what... What, what we mean by that is it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day grind. We do the same thing every day. We go to work. We come home. We do the dishes. We cook dinner. We watch TV. Uh, take the kids to soccer practice. Walk the dog. Um, drink our coffee. You know, we have our moods, our ups and our downs. And it's easy to allow life to be the dust blown on our fire that just puts out the ashes and if you don't want to know what I mean by that, dirt puts out fire. It starves it of oxygen. And, and so often life can be that dirt that starves a relationship of oxygen to keep the fire burning. And we have to make sure we go above and beyond to keep the passion alive and the compassion alive because passion and compassion play so close together. I mean, it's literally a derivative. One's a derivative of the other. Uh, to be compassionate, you you have to have a passion for something. 
you know, compassion is literally the direct outward pouring of passion. When I say passion, I, I do mean intimacy. Uh, it's easy, even within two years of marriage, I'm sure Elaine would agree with this, to get lost and not make time for each other on an intimate physical level. Would you agree with that, Elaine? Absolutely. And it's so easy to get so passionate about other things in our life, the more pressing things, the things that are more on our forefront, maybe it's projects at work or things that, you know, we're excited about to direct our compassion to those and to rob our significant other of that compassion. And so, yes, it definitely has a physical presence. It also has an emotional presence, you know, going back to, uh, to point three about the mental time apart and together, uh, it goes all the way into point number two about your expectations. Your compassion dictates those expectations. Ultimately, it goes into point number four. It literally touches all of these. Whenever it's talking about, you know, we talked about discretion with people's opinions. Well, our compassion is what keeps the link strong to not let those opinions come in. You know, that shouldn't be there. And you have to take time to mindfully address your relationship your time together and say you know what like we need to pull away for a minute we need to lay down turn off the phone turn off the distractions and take a time to be uh passionate and show compassion to one another i think one of the biggest reasons why relationships become stale is Whenever you're in the dating phase, it, it's exciting. You want to win that potential mm -hmm. spouse. Like you want to woo them. You want to be with them all the time. You want to buy them all this stuff. Like you want them to make them feel loved by you. And then you get married and you're like, okay, I have my spouse. I don't have to work at it anymore. Like right. we're married. Everything's fine. Like, yeah. but that's not true. You need to continuously have the mindset of I'm going to date my spouse. And that doesn't necessarily mean having to go somewhere all the time. But, like, you need to make it a point to keep your relationship alive, whether that's physical in intimacy or just saying, hey, let's go for a drive. Let's go watch TV. Like, let's go do something. And your main priority should always be letting your significant other knowing that they're loved and knowing that you are thinking of them and not just, oh, well, we're married, so we don't have to work at it anymore. I think it's even more important to work on your marriage than it is just dating oh yeah we'll see and so like uh fancy little wordplay here but love is a reaction to compassion and compassion is just an expression of passion and so if passion is a choice if expression the way you express yourself is a choice that leads to the compassion which ultimately leads to love and so many people are like well i just feel like the love is 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 sizzle is you know is kind of uh fizzing out and my whole thing is like well have you have you added any life into it you know if you drain the oxygen from the room of course it's gonna like you know it's gonna die off it's just like the fire if you if you starve it of oxygen it dies off you have to constantly tend to the flame no one in their right mind in like so you're in a survival situation right you're out in the woods it's cold it's damp you need fire to live you're on like naked and afraid okay like, you got nothing, and you need that fire to live. You have to have its warmth, its life-giving warmth. And you have two people that are able to tend to this thing. You have to have someone getting supplies to keep it burning. 
you have to have someone providing it with oxygen. And when it's burning bright, it's easier to tend to. That's true. It's easier to keep something burning bright. But when it starts to fizz out, if you don't keep on top of it, if you let your guard down and it starts to die down, you have to get in there. You have to poke the flame. You have to make it uncomfortable and stir the wood, stir the ashes, fan the flame, give it more life, more oxygen, go and get more fuel for the fire. And you have to build it back up. And when you get something good going, it's easier to tend to it. But when all the other distractions like, oh, now we need food. Now we need shelter. And you start turning away. Naturally, you have to balance things, but you have to keep that fire going. And that fire is your marriage. That fire is your relationship. Because if you're not constantly tending to that one thing, that main thing, even though, yes, security, uh, you know, taking the analogy here, like shelter, yeah, it's important to have a job so you can have money and, pr- and pay the bills. That's very important. Uh, you have to be able to live or uh, maybe food. Uh, yes, you have to be able to, you know, you have to prepare food. You have to go out. You have to get things. You have to to tend to all of that. Maybe it's uh, tending to whatever it is you have going. But ultimately, in the, the core of this, you have this fire burning and you have to keep it alive because that's the thing that now is life-giving to you. And your marriage is a covenant between two people in the eyes of God. And it is so vitally important to keep that fire burning. And it's hard. And sometimes storms come and the rain beats it down. And you just have to try to find new ways, new ways to keep it alive. You have to change things up. You have to to dig it out, to move it, to to relocate, to to stoke and oxygenate and constantly tend to it to keep it alive because it's vital and it's crucial. Well, and I think that's um, one of the biggest things about taking that vow on your wedding day of richer or for poorer through death, through life, like all of that stuff. You are making a vow to continue to love that person, to continue to show that love to your spouse and to continuously every single day fight for your spouse And one of the cool things about our wedding day was that we did an old Irish tradition of um, you have a bell, you ring the bell after you say your vows, and it's supposed to remind you of whenever you um, are arguing or in a fight in your marriage or dry season or whatever, like you ring the bell and you're reminded of your vows. We don't necessarily fight or argue, but sometimes, you know, leaving the house or just walking throughout the house, I'll randomly see the bell and I'll just be reminded of our vows. I'll be reminded of our wedding day and how important our relationship is. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's vital. Uh, all of these things are very important, but this last one in particular is the first and the last kind of sum it all up is you're a team and you have to, to constantly tend to that flame. When the other one's too weak, you keep pushing. When the other one, when you're strong, you be strong together and you express that love because when you're in this marriage, you're in it together. You're thick and thin, better or worse, richer or poorer. And that's just the beauty of marriage. And it's it's such a, you know, just to tie it all back in spiritually is marriage is literally the embodiment of Christ's love for us. And so I uh, just want to say, Elaine, I love you and happy anniversary. We love you and happy anniversary. And thank you all for spending it with us. We hope you got something out of this. And just as we said in the beginning, we'll say it at the end. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to give uh, 
you know, give you a voice and take some time to chat. So hop over to the Reckless Community. Links in the show notes below. Click on that, find us, ask to join, and we will accept you in, and we would love to hear from you. And as always, be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll We'll talk talk soon. soon.